What a uh, great, simple, and wonderful message to receive. Jesus sinners does receive. Because as a holy and a righteous God, a, a just God, he could just as well reject us, cast us from him, and yet he opens his arms and he welcomes us in mercy, in love, in grace, in forgiveness. You know, in a, a world with information overload, uh, a phrase that many of you at least have heard can easily just kind of go past you until somebody at least takes a moment to slow down and somehow draw your attention to it. That statement of solo gratia, solo fide, solo scriptura, that, that is a, a vital statement, and yet if uh, I were to say that outside of this church to many, it would be like, now what language is he speaking? At least they might get that it sounds like Latin, and it is, and most of us sitting here never took Latin. I did, although I won't tell you my grades weren't much better than a C or a D. Language and me are not friends. But for Christians, and maybe especially us as Lutheran Christians, those are vitally important words to us. Those words, solo gratia, grace alone, solo fide, faith alone, solo scriptura, scripture alone, stand as the biblical answers to the most important question in the world, how are we as sinful humans to be saved? Ever since uh, the Savior offered himself as a sacrifice, these basic foundational teachings have come under attack by false teachers and false teachings. And they've had to be defended by the sword of the Spirit, which is the very word of God, the truth of that word. Well, this morning, God's word leads us to carefully consider one of those fundamental doctrines or teachings, and that of solo fide, faith alone. And so we ask today with Abraham and with Paul out of our reading of Romans and believers throughout history, does faith save? Our text from Romans says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? In answering that question, Paul uses Abraham as an example, a, a guide for us. Why? Couldn't Paul find some contemporary of his day, you know, to point the people to? Did he have to really go, you know, 4,000 years before? But in using Abraham, Paul is proving a couple of points. First, he's showing that Christian faith is, is not something that evolved over time, nor was it something that suddenly was raised up and offered as this new thing to people. But instead, he revealed to us that Abraham was saved the same way that we are. And second, this question, how are we saved, 
it is, is it by faith or works has always been that question at the very center that each person must ask. How are we saved? So if we are saved by faith, then how do you define faith? Is it a feeling? Is it based on church membership? Is it based on church attendance? You know, is it a, a feeling? Is it knowledge of facts? Is it equivalent to, you know, uh, doing certain things or serving in a certain role? Is it a hidden, undefinable force in a person's heart that drives them to do what they do? But the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, gives us a careful definition of faith that says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Do you trust me? Says the mechanic as he stands before you saying, your car needs a number of major parts. It's going to be $3,200. Do you trust him that he's telling you the truth or he's just trying to you know, build up a bill. Do you trust the doctor as they say, hey, if you take this pill, even though there are side effects that come with it, if you take it, it'll take care of your problem. You know, do you trust? Do you trust, you know, when uh, you are told by your financial advisor, move your money over into this fund. I guarantee it'll do well. Do you trust? Do you believe? We have to trust a lot of people in life, don't we? Who do you trust? What if someone were to tell you something that was so outrageous, so unbelievable, would you believe it? Well, that was the situation for Abraham. God told him, you know, Abraham, pick up, leave your country, leave your people, leave much of your possessions behind. Abraham was asked to believe not only and do all of that, but to believe something incredible that had nothing to do with medicine or investments or car repairs. Abraham was told by God that he was going to be the father of of a son, and that that baby would, through him would come millions, and that from him would come one who would bless the whole world. Would you have believed? If God would stand before you and tell you such an incredible thing that seems unbelievable. The thing that makes this promise a hard one for Abraham to believe was that he was so old. So old. Too old to have a child. Listen to what it says in Genesis 12. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And Sarah's womb was also dead. He was too old. Sarah, his wife, was too old, and yet God told him, you're going to have a son. And by the way, not by adoption, and not by some other, you know, arrangement. 
you and Sarah are going to conceive and have a son together. And you have many descendants, and from that child would come one who will bless the whole world. Would you have believed it if you were a hundred years old? Trust me, God said to Abraham. And you know what? The Bible records that Abraham took that leap of faith and he trusted God, quote, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what was promised. Abraham was not disappointed. At 100 years, he and his wife, who was 90, had a son, just like God had promised. That son eventually had another son and other descendants, numbering in the millions, and they became the people of Israel, just like God promised. And those descendants from them came the one who would bless the world, our Lord Jesus Christ. And how did he bless the world? He lived perfectly under the law, not sinning whatsoever. He offered himself as a sacrifice in place of the people of the world. He suffered and he died and he rose again that we might have life. If you were to summarize the theme then of Abraham's life with one word, that word would have to be believe. Even if it seems impossible, even if it seems like it's not going to happen, even if you have no proof, believe. And that was Abraham. Do you trust me? In many ways, God asked you and me that same question. Think about this. Today, God wants us, you and me, to be modern-day Abrahams. Now, what's he mean? Well, a modern-day Abraham is someone who trusts in God's promises no matter what. No matter what. Is that you? Do you trust him? Do you believe that all the things of all the things to focus on, to trust or to believe the best and most important of all is to believe in Jesus Christ? In our culture, Jesus, he's seen as the least important part of life by many. Many, you know, say that it's just a story, you know, or a myth, a moral story for teaching or comfort for the weak. And the world goes on to say, how do you believe that? You don't need to worship or shape your life around a story. You can do what you want. Just be a good person. Just believe a little or enough. And get back to what you want to do. To what you think you should be. That is what the world is saying to you and me. But then we hear God's voice in the Word. And God says to you and to me, the story of Jesus is true. God became a man. Jesus came and died for your sins. You are forgiven and loved by God. Trust me. And so do you trust him? Are you a, a modern-day Abraham trusting completely 
in God's promises, God's word. As this question is being posed in several ways this morning, maybe one behind it is, have you ever doubted? In many ways, God is asking us that. Have you ever wondered if everything you've ever trusted about God is true? Do you ever think to yourself, how can any of this be true? Look at me, look at my life, look at my problems, look at my health, look at the mess the world is in. Is there really a God? Can I really trust him? The truth is, in various ways, we doubt at times. It's because we live in a sinful world. It's because we have sin inside of us. And it's impossible for us to escape those feelings of doubt. But I'd like to take you back a few months ago and ask you to picture the Christmas scene. There with the baby Jesus. He looks like a typical baby. And God says to you, do you trust me when you look at that baby so helpless, lying in a manger, and yet that baby is God? How can that be? How can God, who is so big, so powerful, become a little baby? And God says, do you trust me? And the baby, Jesus, grows into an adult and Jesus tells the people that he is not just another teacher, but he is the Messiah. He is the one who has come to save us from sin. Trust me, Jesus says, God promised. And God spoke to you through his word and tells you that this Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross and he rose again. And that sacrifice was big enough to take away all of our sins. Isn't that amazing? You know, there's a way to get rid of our, our guilt, the burden of our sin. Believe. Believe God's promises. For he speaks to us. He speaks to us not only in his word, he speaks to us in the sacraments, he comes to us in our baptism, he washes away our sins, he takes off our death clothes, and he clothes us with purity and righteousness. My friends, there is a way to have a second chance. There is a way to start over, and that way is Jesus Christ. Have you ever doubted any of this? Well, know that God forgives you. Are you not sure about Jesus and his promises? God has proven that Jesus is who he is, who he said he is, by raising him from the dead. God fulfilled his promise. As God's word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, all God's promises are yes in Jesus Christ. Every one of the promises, prophecies, every one of God's promises, they have been answered in Jesus Christ, yes. You know, there's an interesting thing highlighted in God's word. It's that Abraham trusted God. And God saw Abraham, 
Abraham's faith, which is a miracle, really, because God gave Abraham that ability to believe. And as an act of love and mercy, God honored Abraham's faith by crediting it to him as righteousness. In other words, God said to Abraham, you know what? You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. But I'm going to love you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to call you perfect. I'm going to call you holy and righteous. I'm going to bless you and forgive you and take you to be with me in heaven. Abraham trusted God's promise and in mercy God credited it to him as righteous. Our world's full of promises. In fact, so much so that I think often we don't even register that they're being made or we're making them. A couple stands before you know, the altar and makes their pledge, their commitment, their promise to each other and to God of marital faithfulness. But how easily they seem to forget the promise we make to repay a home loan, the promise to pay the bills that we generate, children's promises to do their chores or study for exam or even to honor their parents' rules and values, promises to fix a dripping faucet, promises to call a loved one. Life itself is filled with promises. Even our life with God, my friends, it is based on a promise. But our relationship with God is not based upon our promise to God, but His promise to us. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, then you are a modern-day Abraham. God has given you a gift more valuable, more beautiful than any gift that you can find throughout the world. God has given you the gift of faith, and along with that faith, God gives you something else. Listen to these verses following the reading you've already heard from Romans 4. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, do you see what else God is giving you, my friends, this morning? He's giving you righteousness. God looks over the world and sees all the modern-day Abrahams out there. He sees you and he says, even though you don't deserve it, I'm going to call you perfect. Even though you don't deserve it, I'm going to call you holy and righteous. I'm going to give you the gift of forgiveness and life. That, my friends, is an amazing thing. So an old man and an old woman believe that they are going to have a baby. That's faith. In the 21st century, man or woman come and bow down before the cross and the altar of God and believe. 
in a man named Jesus as their Savior, that's faith. A 21st century man confesses his sins and believes, and his sin is washed away. That's faith. And the promise comes by faith. Amen.